Did you even prepare any questions or are you just winging it? Uh, I wing it all the time. My entire life is winging it, Libs. I don't know, maybe you're new to me. I'm not new to you. Oof. Oh, right. it's going to be a tough one. <laughs> so here we are, myself, <laughs> with you, with you. Me? Yeah. Libs. Libs. Could you do me a favor and just introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, sure. You're listening to the Can't Sell This Podcast with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. My name is Libs Elliott. I've known Hugh for 20 years. <laughs> not a little longer. And I am a textile artist working mostly in quilts. Um, I'm a surface designer. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this for, what, 10 years. Oh, geez, see that, that already, uh, my first question's gone. How long oh, have you been doing this? So 10 years. 10 so, years. So, so can you, would you say officially 10 years this year? Yeah, it well, 2019, yeah, I started quilting in 2009. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yes. And started quilting in this style in 2009 or started quilting in general in 2009? Uh, just in general. I took up, I took a couple quilting classes while I was uh, working full-time in advertising. And um, yeah, I, I took some quilting classes. I got kind of hooked on it and eventually it became my path. Whoa. Whoa. Career path. Yeah. And uh, what would you say is the, was there any particular- I like that you're asking questions. You're like, I don't know. Why don't you tell us what movie you want to see? Like you don't know, but you know exactly the story. Like you've heard it a million times. I know, but uh, the, but people, the people listening, I know. Okay. they haven't heard this story. So you can be as back, backhanded as you to, want. <laughs> I studied textile art, textiles, I should say, back in uh, the 1990s at OCAD in Toronto. Um, I studied weaving and natural dyeing which is now i've seen i've noticed it's taking a new it's becoming a new trend again um so i studied textiles and um then i finished with a ba in cultural studies and then i thought man i can't afford to be an artist in this city in toronto <laughs> so i thought well where could i what could i do for a living that would at least be sort of creative and that's when i got into working in the ad industry but not as a creative person, <laughs> as a project manager, which as it turns out is exciting to work on projects, but not really fun. You're dealing with the money and to-do lists and telling people what to do and and giving them deadlines. And there's no, there's no joy in that, <laughs> so. But you got really good at Excel. You got really Excel good spreadsheets, spreadsheets. Amazing, plus you know I love to-do lists. You know it, <laughs> little check boxes here and there. Um, so. You know, so part of the job I really enjoyed, but there was no creativity to it whatsoever. Right, right. Um, so that's why I finally decided, hey, I'm going to take a, a quilting workshop at the workroom, which was a new place that opened up in Toronto just near my work. And I signed up for a class, and it was like the first time I'd really started working with fabrics again. 
and um, my instructor Johanna Masco was just really enthusiastic and um, a great instructor and she was very inspiring and then that sort of became a thing that I like to do as a hobby well so <laughs> for anybody who's, who's listening and is, is going like what's all this other noise Libs is ironing is it really noisy no no, no it, that's okay it's not a big deal i want you to do it because it's something you're doing i'm it's, on a deadline here <laughs> lives on a deadline so she's working on she's she's ironing right now so any yeah. of these extra noises are ironing which is totally fine we've been in clubs or we've been in bars to, yeah, to record if, can, if i can be in a bar can drinking in a bar. pints and you know i'm sitting on the bed ironing like it's sitting on the bed ironing so here's the here's the thing that i happen to know about that doesn't get spoken about very often but i've, I've always been it's it's all part of the path is that when you were on mat leave with uh declan you started a little clothing thing where oh, you were upcycling true. recycling uh, jeans and whatever Dana, yeah. To, yeah to make little clothes for a boy because the, the options for boys clothes wasn't there for That's baby true. boys clothes yeah and you called it little denim yeah and I also made dresses I remember you making did. Little you made dresses. A, a few dresses and they're actually like you know you're doing really well little denim yeah but I think that it's I think it's sort of an interesting part of your path because of the fact that it I like I rec I can recall clearly you going I don't want to do craft shows in basements I don't want to do yeah you know it, in church halls in church halls I wasn't sure and, that was something I and it, because it's not I don't know if it's it, it just wasn't what you were into part you know? of the issue with it and even it's to, it's the same with what I do now I don't like to make the same thing over and over again I like these blocks you can see these are really repetitive i do like the repetition in making the block but the quilt the piece itself i like to do it once and then do something new yeah. so with little denim i was like uh this is going down a my kid's gonna grow up and why am i still making baby clothes yep i'm gonna lose interest in that and b making the same thing over and over again i just i can't it's yeah i really i'm in awe of the people who can do it it's not something that i can do well we 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 both witnessed how neither of us are really good at clothing when it comes to sewing and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> if I took the time, come on. Anyways, I just think it's a thing that doesn't get spoken about. It, it just sort of like, That's it's true. not around. That, and, and, and that was my first business. And it was like your first Etsy business. Etsy was a newish yeah, platform. Yeah, you know. And yeah, everyone had an Etsy shop. And so. before Instagram. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? before Instagram. So it, it, it's, it's uh to me it's it's sort of interesting because on one hand it, it gave you a taste of what it was going to be like to be within a community of crafters for instance yes and you saw and you sort of witnessed the i will buy something of yours if you buy something of mine and you yeah, know and the and, growth of that whole yeah i think that's um, really interesting and 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 you know once you started quilting I'll be honest with you, it, quilting to me on your part seemed far less deliberate and more you were just doing it and it became something deliberate, you know? Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't see it as like you consciously said, I'm going to quilt for a living. No, no. You well, know? I feel like it was, it organically, it happened. Which, which is why it's probably done better for you as opposed to I 
had a strategy and milestones. I'm still winging a lot of it, yeah. like business-wise and everything too. Sometimes I feel like, oh my God, I need to sit down and make a plan. And every year it comes this time, it's December, almost the new year. And I'm like, this is the year I'm going to plan everything out. I'm going to have a business goal. And I just, don't. I'm still winging don't. it. Don't. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. But, um, but we can, I mean, we can point to a, a, a real, a, a key event that I would say became, this is your, yeah. your quilter. And it's sort you know? of your fault. It's entirely my okay. fault. So while I was working in the ad industry as a project manager, I met this guy named Hugh Elliott <laughs> and I started to date him. I'm amazing, everybody. Yeah. And he took me to a talk a lecture by this guy named Joshua Davis and Josh was this like digital artist I guess we could call him a grandfather of digital art I'm sure he'd love that um, well he's got gray hair but <laughs> yeah. a full head of gray hair uh, sort of so. this digital wizard guy and at the time I was like you can't make art with computers that's just stupid and then you know <laughs> seeing him talk, I was like oh I okay, guess you can. I get this. I get this. And he was really enthusiastic and inspiring and interesting. And eventually you became friends with Josh. And Yeah, despite his best efforts. Despite yeah, no. And <laughs> he took you to Japan for a week. Or you went with him to Japan for a week to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And I remember Declan was this was 10 years ago, maybe ish. No. It was it was later than that. It was eight years ago. Eight years Neve ago. Because hadn't been born yet. Yeah. Um, but our son was a toddler, and so I was on my own for you know ten days or something with my child. And you came back, and you're like, I wanted to thank Josh for taking me to oh, Japan. Let me cut in. While we were walking, heading towards, I think we were just gonna go. We we're gonna go to like a shrine or something in rural Japan. Um, oh. I said, how do I thank you for the opportunity of this trip? And he said, I want Libs to make me a quilt. He didn't say that. Yeah, he did. Really? You yeah. didn't just come up with this idea on No, your own. no. He said, this I want Libs to make me a quilt. And so I called you while we were walking. And I said, hey, by the way, you need to make Josh a quilt. What? And you were kind of like okay with it at the time. Yeah. But you were sort of like, dude, I it got things to do. and Like the... Kid, I gotta feed my child right now. I'm on my own. But but oh, yeah, it, that's how it see, all. I don't remember that. Well, that's I just how it all telling me, You're gonna make Josh a quilt. And I was like, well, what? Because and this is before. And I'm still your real I'm collaboration. Yeah, and so like I came home, and then we went. You did make him a quilt, and we went to New York to, and we were gonna go. We went to see the that's Reasons right. Conference. Yeah. And he spoke, and you gave him the quilt. I was and it was so that, nervous. What was it called? It was a crosses quilt or something. I don't know. Yeah, what... I didn't have a name for oh, it. Okay. But it was sort of. Mm, I wanted to. I didn't. I wanted to sort of take the work he was doing at the time and do something aesthetically similar to the types of symbols and uh, motifs that he was using. Um, and I wanted to make something that wasn't. So far, all the quilts I made, because it was just, you know, I was still just, it was a new they hobby. They were standard. They were very repetitive um, and symmetrical, and I hadn't seen anything out there that that wasn't. And so I wanted to make something that was really um, multi-dimensional, almost looking. Mm -hmm. And so and, that's what and I that's did. What and I, did. But I didn't really know what I was doing, so I didn't use proper <laughs> quilt math. Um, and I so I cut out 2,200 two-inch squares 
and sewed them all together. But now you wouldn't. But so it's that's, still one of my favorite quilts. It is a super cool quilt, and Josh was really appreciative. He he re was really appreciative yeah. of of that of that gesture. And what happened after is, I wanted to just be like it's history, but. You know, I can recall you saying, I was looking at Josh's thing, Josh's portfolio, and he has this thing, and I think it would make a cool quilt. Yeah, on his website, he posted a few little graphics that sort of looked to me like quilt blocks, and so I was just like, ooh, I could make that into a quilt. So I just sort of started doing it, like I would, I would make these little quilt blocks and put these little pieces together, and then I sent him a few photos of some of the things and said like, hey, look at this, this is kind of neat, right? And he said, yeah, this is, that's pretty cool. And I said, you know, that quilt that I made for you <laughs> took <laughs> a lot of time, which is, you know, quilting is a slow craft. But I said, just to plan it, like just to get that non-repetitive idea out of my brain and onto paper was a ton of work. And for my brain to not want to put things into a certain order, it was... A real challenge and that was just for one design it took so long and I was like I wonder if there's some way that you could help me come up with an, a way to quickly iterate non-repetitive designs or if that's something you'd be interested in would you like to do a collaboration and I was really nervous about asking him because you know I wasn't really good friends with him and he's a pretty big deal in his world so I was like oh like you know he might say no to this but then all I could think was the worst thing is yes, that he, will say he no. might say no <laughs> and then that's, the, that's that learning curve or that point where you go the worst thing you can do is ask and a person says no yeah yeah and as it turns out he didn't say no he sent you some processing code and taught me how to use taught it. You how to use it and then told me how you use it so I could help you when you came up against problems and you started to design these amazing quilts generative quilts generative quilts mm -hmm. and and let's let's be clear like you weren't designing generative quilts you were designing you were making generative layouts and choosing portions of them that yeah. would become the quilt yeah, because the actual so. layout that was made was quite large yeah I like to do I'd like to, I like doing bigger sketches and then find within those sketches finding an area of interest that I could work with and manipulate further um, and I just use I use illustrator for that and so manipulate it get it to the you know the final quilt layout that I want um, on my computer and then I literally I just print it out and then from there I build an actual quilt using fabric and a sewing machine and how many okay so we're, we're humming along here so that, you so you did a couple and that's around 2012 so 2012 was the very first quilt that i did as a collab with josh um and he called it triangle sex that's right ts ts1 ts1 i called it ts1 <laughs> to keep it keep my mom happy well that's that's a whole other world right there <laughs> um yeah, so that's 2012. I did that first quilt and, you know, he shared it on, I want to say it was on Twitter because I don't Gosh, think... Gosh, it must have been Twitter. Instagram was around. Yeah, it was on Twitter and then, oh my uh, gosh, what's Golden his name? Levin. Golden, Golden Levin shared it and he was like, wow, this is really cool. And then things sort of took off. It was, uh, yeah. 
from there. There's a trajectory involved right there. Yeah. Where you were, we were written up in, I don't know. Where it was Gizmodo. We, yeah, so Gizmodo picked it up and it a bunch of things started to happen, right? Like. Yeah. Well, what's funny, what I always find funny is, first of all, I'm still quilting in this sort of silo. I'm not, I've taken a couple classes. Other than that, I'm not aware that there are guilds all over, quilt guilds and groups all over the world. I'm not right. really aware that there are a lot of other people who quilt. And even branches of guilds. So like modern versus traditional oh, versus oh, yeah. whatever. Right. You so know. I'm not aware that that's yeah. a thing. Yeah. I follow a few quilt blogs, quilting blogs. Um, like maybe two of them, two or three. Um, and um, like I'm a ginger monkey and red pepper quilts. And those are people like, you know, so it was at the time where there were people blogging about quilting. But other than that, not really fully aware that there's a quilt community. Um, and my, but my quilts were getting attention in what, like the tech community, right? Yeah. Design. So, yeah. yeah, design and tech. So people who um, notice my work, it was, you know, because of articles in like Gizmodo, um, people were reaching out and asking if they could get, have me do the, a commission for them. And it was usually tech guys or programmers <laughs> yeah. or, you know, a data visualization office. Um, yeah. So it just, that's where I really started getting attention initially and... Well, and that's that's an interesting opportunity as well. Like that that you're talking about, Wes Grubbs and Pitch Interactive. They they commissioned something, but on yeah. top of that, he's one of the people that founded IO. Yeah. And IO invited you to come to a workshop. Oh and if you God. ever check out, we'll we'll add it to the show notes. But if you check out IO, like it's sort of this holy crap level of people. Oh, yeah, IO <laughs> festival. <laughs> I say, oh, not because it was bad. It was just like, I was ama you're surrounded by really intelligent, smart people. Yeah, amazing people. Who uh, do things with technology that I'm just like, why am I here? Like, you feel like an imposter. You're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, so it was really exciting, but also like crazy Daunting to be there. Yeah, because yeah. it was one of the first times I taught a, ever taught a workshop and I was d teaching it to Te like technical people I don't know so, yeah. but it was exciting it was super cool but also like wow this is happening you went to a speaker's dinner for the first time and you know it's like you got well as someone who was participating as someone who I've was participating I think it's dinners. oh I guess that's true but as a date yeah oh jeez um, so yeah it was exciting I, this thing I, you know <laughs> I think these are things that that, that your, nor your average fan or your average person that follows your work now is unaware of like they're they're not aware that that this is how it all came to, came to be yeah i mean i talk about when i walk when i do lectures and things i do talk about this as how it started but if you haven't been to one of my talks um you probably yeah, our don't listeners know have never been to your talks <laughs> <laughs> no, but. our listeners are few and far between so um no i just think it's i think it's incredible i you know having been on the inside watching it happen it, it is a it is a, a a really exciting experience, and I couldn't think it could happen to a better person. Oh my God! Stop. I know it's because I'm <laughs> I heart you. Um, full disclosure: we're married. Yeah, we've been married for what almost eleven years. <laughs> almost eleven years, um, and been together for twenty. What was so. I gonna say? Yeah, you know, 
it was crazy and it was sort of like doing IO and then having my like having articles written about me in you know the local newspaper and then being asked asked to come and speak on CBC Spark, Spark. remember? Yeah, yeah. I was so nervous. I was sick with nerves. Oh, you did a great like I, job. No, I was shaking. The no, whole I know, time. but you did a great I wasn't job. That's what TV. I'm saying. It's just, you know, it's just my voice, and I was so nervous. I had, oh. Yeah, CBC. That was. That's yeah, like national radio. for anybody in the states. That's like our national radio station. Our national it's like radio NPR. station. NPR. Yeah, be like right. But David yeah. Sedaris interviewing you or something. Ira Glass. Ira Glass. Yeah, I I don't know. So that was nerve-wracking, but it's, and you know, it's funny because I am a pretty, I always consider myself an introvert, so having to be the, in the spotlight, public speaking, all that stuff has just been, ugh, that was a big challenge for me and a big hurdle to get over, and I never thought I would get to the point where I could just have a conversation like this without being nervous about it. Well, but. and we often... I think as a, as a as a group as as people, we often think oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. You know that was that's how you start thinking. You start by going, I could never do what you're doing. And a, a, a lot of time, that just comes down to how many times you do that thing. So yeah, when true. when when people say like, oh, I couldn't get up in front of people. I couldn't do public speaking. I always tell them. Well, you just need to do it. You yeah, need to at least to try say it. that to me, and I would say, no, no, no honestly, I can't I just, do it. I can't I don't do like it. it. And it's true. I still don't like being the center of attention, um, and I don't always care about. I shouldn't say care. I don't always care for getting up and talking about um, quilting. Um, because it's it's nerve-wracking it's really really personal well it's very personal so, there's a big difference between people who like myself when i used to talk about technology and and, yeah, and you separated. talking about quilting quilting is a very personal journey yeah so, mine was i had to remember the semicolon at the end of the line <laughs> yeah, and then you're okay yeah so i don't know i still have mixed feelings about it sometimes i'm totally in the mood to get up and talk and other times i'm like dreading it you know but it's all part of the yeah it's all part of it so anyway well that's good though i mean and do you find now um are you sort of witness to anybody like people coming up where you sort of reach out and go just keep going just keep doing like you see messages or people saying like i'm getting frustrated i don't know what i'm doing and you just go like just keep going like for sure there i mean and now i am you know bigger uh part of the quilting community and there are different groups I'm part of like pattern designers groups and um people textile are, design yeah textile design people who are just starting out or who want to make that leap because mm-hmm. it is a grow it's a growing industry and um I try and encourage everyone I think one of the great things about that community is that we do tend to most people tend to try and lift up others and help them out it's not a super secretive hold your cards close kind of thing if you have questions about how to run a business or questions about certain things like i'm happy to help you out you need a contact i'm happy to give it to you and because that's the way of other, what other people have done for me yeah pay it um, forward right yeah totally like, you want to see other people succeed especially it's i mean it's not all women in um 
the community, but it is majority, it's a, a lot of women in business and you want to see other women succeed. Mm -hmm. And you also want to see other other groups succeed. So you sort of try to lift people up. Yeah. And there's a, there's a big difference between someone asking for some advice and someone who is asking for all of the answers, right? Like there are people that can overdo it. Yeah, like there, there's I, there's yeah. a certain amount of like, know you know, I'm, at some point you kind of need to start doing this for yourself. Yeah, like take the leap. Um, yeah. But I don't know if I've ever had anyone really like that. No. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, how have you been in, in terms of competitiveness? How do you feel in in uh, watching someone maybe coming up with a design that might be similar. Mm. Um, and how, how, how are you managing that? Mm. That's a good question. Oh my gosh, we're getting into the meat of it, Well, Hugh. the nitty gritty, buddy. Um, the crazy thing about quilts is that, I shouldn't say nothing is new. There are new ideas, there are new approaches. I came up with a new approach to an old craft by using technology and generative design to generate um, my patterns. That's a new, a new way to approach um, what I'm making, right? But yeah. the blocks I'm using are old, for the most part, old or traditional quilt blocks, um, hundreds of years old. It's nothing really new. Mm -hmm. Then there are quilters who do come up with new crazy um, designs. Um, and that's really cool too. Uh, what am I trying to say? It's, <laughs> it's hard to come up with something new in quilting. If someone happens to come up with a design that's similar to mine, I don't really, I try not to be bothered by it and I'm not really bothered by it. Yeah. It's when you're using a method that's similar to mine. Um, without acknowledging the yeah, source kind so of thing. Yeah, there are a few quilters who now have, you know, started playing around with generative design and things and I think that's really cool and it's especially nice because they have acknowledged that they you know they are aware of my work and it's what prompted them or inspired them to to try it too and they've put their own visual spin on what yeah. they're doing um, so when I see that I'm like oh cool I'm happy that I've inspired those people um, to do something and to put their own spin on it mm -hmm. um, so you know I'm happy to promote their work or to to um, support them well it's a very it, it, it it's such a tight-knit community with within the, the group within the quilting world you know for someone to simply steal an idea they would probably get called out fast I would within think the so. group you know i would think so but also i don't like conflict so that kind of thing has <laughs> you know that kind of thing has come up in the past and, and you I'm, just kind of back it up and go, okay, yeah, well, look, I, I don't think, really well, want to... You know, this is where I'm at in my career. This is what I'm going to focus on. And, you know, if I'm not being acknowledged, oh, well, like, what can I do? I'm not going to... Yeah. There's not a team of lawyers at Libs Elliott Incorporated. No, it's or... just respect. Yeah. That's all I ask. And so, whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um... I want to talk a little bit about the fabric design uh, yeah, work okay. because it's a whole other element. Well, it's it, it is entirely different from quilting, you know. Yeah. But do you find Whoop. when you you have done six lines so far? Is that right? 
I want to say six or seven okay. collections. Yeah. Let's play. Let's let, let's let's just say six. Let's say seven. <laughs> let's say seven. <laughs> let's oh. say seven because it makes it sound more. One more. Um, do you design fabric with an eye towards how it will be used? <sighs> Uh, hmm, some collections yes and some no, which is weird. My more neutral collections, yes, because I really like, I like using black and white fabrics. Right. With this latest one that we're sitting on, this quilt that's all um, different denim, de denim-y blue colors. Um, I sort of, I did want to see people using it as a collection. Um, Whereas there are certain collections where I like the idea that they're going to mix it with other designers' fabrics. Right. Um, I never have a quilt in mind, and from the quilt I pull the collections. It's always just like, okay, what kind of, what am I feeling like right, right. now, and what do I, what would I want to make something with? Because part of part of the production or part sorry part of the marketing of a collection is you design a quilt with the collection, right? You do, you create a pattern with the collection. Yeah, you have to create. The more quilts you create for the collection, the better. Right. Um, but you always have to create at least but one. But you do one. But I mean, like, you might get more people to help out or other people to contribute or... Yeah, or, you know, that's the other thing. I'm also designing um, quilt patterns to sell. But then there are lots of other pattern designers out there. So you might think, oh, maybe that designer would like to use my fabric in their quilt pattern. So there is a lot of crossover between pattern designers, fabric designers, quilters. Um, yeah, you're always trying to figure out how can I, what do people want? What would other quilters want to use in their quilts right now? What's on trend? What's going to sell? Yeah. What do shops want? Really, it's not, I shouldn't say, yeah. it's not about the retail, <laughs> it's not about the customer. For me, my the customer is the shop. What what are shops going to want to put on their shelves? Because right. they're the ones buying the fabric, um, and that's how I make the money. It's not All the money. All the monies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big money! <laughs> um, and would you say that your take on doing this as a career has changed over the course of this, you know, you said it was 2012. So over the course of the seven years you've been doing this, like, would you say your your feelings on it has changed? Have changed? Hmm. I don't think my feelings have changed. I think I've, I've. I meant us. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <clears throat> I feel like when I went into it, I didn't know. Here's the funny thing. When I went into it and I started, I you know, I was doing a few commissions for people. I didn't know people could write patterns to sell. And then finally a quilter said to me, I'm never going to buy one of your quilts because I quilt, but I'll buy a pattern. And I right. was like, whoa, my, head, my mind was blown. I was like, people yeah. do that? Okay, there's another way I can make some money is writing a pattern. And then eventually, you know, I knew that there were fabric designers because I... I was one of those people, but, and I'm still one of those people who loves certain other designers' work. So mm -hmm. I was, I thought, oh, I would love to design fabric at some point. I just didn't think it that would happen, and then it did. Yeah. So part of it is just going into it thinking I'm going to make quilts, and my goal was to just make custom quilts and just sell the quilts, and then because one quilt is so labor intensive, and you can actually probably make more money by diversifying and having all these different avenues of income, um, I sort of 
I took, I've gone into in that direction. There are times when I really wish I could just, I could just spend time just making quilts for gallery shows and just focusing on art quilts. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that doesn't bring in as much money, right? So. Yeah. So it has become much more business focused than than uh, cr just creative focus. Well, so and, there is a and 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 do you find that your strategy changes from? Do, do you sort of like every six months kind of look at what you're doing and go, I need to also do this, because you've diversified. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's like well, sort of, or I need to I, I sort of change focus once in a while. Um, yeah, there are certain things that I do too that I'm like, one of my, one of my other quilting friends who's also who also does it for a living said, you know, Libs, sometimes you're really you seem like reluctant. It's like you're reluctantly doing certain things, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I, absolutely, am I? I'm reluctantly like, being all peppy and getting online and being like, let's do a along and like <laughs> hey guys <laughs> because part of me does get excited I do like to yeah. I do like to interact with people who are buying my fabrics or people who are you know libs fans and that's and it's so it's, that's really fun and cool at the same time I, it doesn't feel natural to me to be this bubbly personality yeah. I don't know. So I keep it lives. Like there are times when I'm really resistant to promoting myself and I shouldn't but it's bec I think it's that's the artist side of me is that I sometimes I'm like yeah I would really like to just do a show instead of do a quilt along but I'm gonna do the quilt along because that's what keeps me out there and my name out there For and sure. people interested so um, not that I don't like doing them it's just it's not natural to me <laughs> and, and then I ha once I get into it I'm okay with it but yeah yeah and so would you say more often than not, any major change to what you're currently doing is because someone else has said, hey, did you know you could also do this? Like, you know, you started out kind of just making some quilts, but not really, that wasn't the job. And then someone said, we saw this quilt you designed. We want to have that quilt on a wall. Yeah, I initially, I think that that's the way things happened is that other people would point me in certain directions but now because of the change because of all the changes and like now there's Instagram which has a, been a, a massive change and having more direct access to this entire um, community um, I can on my own go out and look at what other people are doing or look at what's doing well out there and think okay should I do this mm -hmm. too or should I try and come up with something new um, yeah I yeah. Think. Well, and also the advantage to having been so early into the game with what you're doing, there is a legitimate interest in what you're doing. So you can reach out to people and say, hey, by the way, I'd really love it if we could work together or, yeah. you know, like there's yeah. there people are more accommodating to requests than yeah. than, than someone new. Someone new. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Establishment helps. Being established yeah, it does, helps. For sure. For sure. But the the other side to that is that it is getting to be a super saturated 
mm -hmm. um, industry. So there are tons of fabric designers and tons of pattern designers and everyone um, has, not everyone, but a lot of people have a YouTube channel or a blog or whatever. So, um, and that's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, I wonder, I, I have no idea where, where things are going yeah. in the industry. Um, I wish I had more insights into what's going to happen, especially in like fabric industry. Um, but we'll see. It's kind of exciting to be in it and, and figure out what's going to, how it's going to change. Mm -hmm. One of the other big challenges too, is that you look at the demographic of the quilt industry and it's definitely um, or it has been traditionally an older demographic um, and so you think how are we going to get younger people involved how are we going to get them interested in this craft other crafts have definitely had their moments um, embroidery is huge and weaving and... is huge and knitting is a huge thing i don't know what the demographics are like for that but like so what about quilting and where are we at with where are we at with that and how are we going to engage younger people and get them interested so that it's... Well, often, often things coming up in terms of like um, popularity comes down to barrier cost of entry. So like the, sure. the cost of entry to crocheting or knitting is, you know, oh. knitting needles and a bunch of yarn, oh, right? But, but you could. Though. Oh my God. But it's not as expensive as a sewing machine. Which then turns yeah, into two sewing and machines. I, and but then I guess with knitting too, you don't have to get the great. You don't stuff. have to. You like you can the, learn. The Walmart. I had a little mushroom. That's how I learned how to crochet. You made a crochet so mu mushroom. I had a mushroom that I had little nails in it that I would. Really. Hook and I made oh, nothing but tubes. tubes. I, I made got tubes. one of those for my birthday once when I was like eight. I was or taught something. how to do it. it I was, was not taught how to stop. Yeah, no. <laughs> so all I made were really long tubes. Make a long tube. Yeah. I could have a future. That was the only crochet I've done, too. I've never crocheted. No, never. No, no. But you did try macrame recently. I tried macrame last week, partly because it was at a brewery. So, Not no, that, that beer had any impact on how good you did or no. how well you hey, did. Man. You can tie knots and have a have pint. Have a pint. Um, and how, um, how have you been in terms of travel how do you i know you don't how have you been well i've been okay i've been okay <laughs> i am curious because i know you just had that long long trip to australia mm -hmm. and and mm. immediately had to then follow up by going to <laughs> you know good planning Liz. well like you two know, days later go and teach at another guild yeah i just don't i don't know that was just it yeah. is it is a, it is happens. a difficult aspect to what you're doing and in, in that you could choose to travel, travel a lot you could say like okay yeah i'm gonna yeah, do you that could say yes to a lot of travel if, for if sure. you're asked if you're asked and you're asked which is amazing the, yeah, the issue like becomes most of 2020 is now booked up right except well the fall isn't too bad but the spring is going to be another crazy spring yeah but the issue becomes that travel means you're not creating yes you know for sure Oh man, yeah. Travel means I'm not actually sewing and I'm not designing. You're not designing. Um, and I'm focusing on teaching, so that's another yeah. thing. And then also I'm teaching, I think I have five or six workshops and I've had those workshops now for a couple years. Maybe two of them are new. Um, but yeah, then I have to start thinking, oh my God, what else could I teach? What other new workshops could I come up with? Um, Does it ever 
happen in the quilting world and this may be a side conversation but i'm always curious um online learning is a fairly mm-hmm. you know yep. uh, prevalent thing like if you look at egghead and stuff like that there yeah. are there yeah. are ways to do it where could your workshops be set up yes. as a paid online yeah learning and there thing? are quilters who do that and then there are also um bigger companies one of them is it blueprint was just bought, was it originally called Creative Bug and it was bought by somebody else and now it's Blueprint? I don't know. But there are a lot of um, online tutorials and so there are crafters and quilters who do um, online workshops and then they get paid a percentage of every person right. who signs up for that. And then there are some people who do it independently. Um, and I mean, I've got a Patreon page, so that's sort of what I've been focusing on is not doing full on workshops on there yet, right. yeah. but I have been thinking about that. Like there's one workshop that a few people have asked for and there are a lot of people who are overseas or in Europe who are like, you know, Libs, I don't know if you'll ever actually make it here and you don't sell this as a pattern. It's only a workshop and wouldn't it, could you do it online? And I was, and so I'm thinking, yeah, that could be another, um, way to, to teach. Yeah. The other mm-hmm. the other thing that you could do, and I don't know enough about your the, the quilting world to have a, an educated opinion, but the other thing you could do would be to license out the workshop so people could physically teach for yeah, you in different spaces. Yeah, some people spaces. do that as well. So there are patterns that um, other quilters sell, and they they do license them out. I I wasn't really aware of that till recently, and then I was like, oh, that's cool. That that's how oh, that works. Glad I, I'm glad I. You, yeah. I, I'm a marketing genius. You know this. Except so. I'm not. But that's okay. Yeah. So, but so you know, there I do, are options. I like that. I do like the travel because you do get to. You have seen a lot of the world I'm that you would seen, not have seen. Yeah, like Australia. Come on. France. France. This year, I'm going to Norway and Norway Switzerland. Norway and Switzerland. Like that's crazy town. Thunder Bay. Saskatoon. Oh, the old Thunder Bay. Oh yeah, Saskatoon. Hey, Edmonton. Go, go for a rip, eh, bud? Going for a rip. <laughs> Out in Switzerland. Going to Austin um, again. Just going for fun to Austin, though. What? Um, oh, right. Yeah, I just I wanted thing. to. Well, it could have been a teaching thing, but I didn't want to. I just wanted to go to QuiltCon for fun. QuiltCon. Um, we sell you the whole seat, yeah, but so you only need the edge. QuiltCon. I mean, on one hand, the traveling is exhausting, or can be, especially when you know in the spring when I overbook myself every year. Um, it can be kind of tiring, but at the same time. It's also really fun because you get to be around other quilters. I'm not part of a guild um, when I'm sewing and I'm designing and everything. I'm at home, you know, like I work from home. It's a very uh, loner kind of existence. It's an I isolated have. world you've it made is. for yourself. So, <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm a loner. So going and actually traveling and, and meeting all these quilters in person, especially people that I've talked to online and that we've, you know, it was Australia was amazing to meet all these amazing wonderful women who I've known for years online mm-hmm. um, and hadn't met in person. I don't, never thought I would. And then I had this opportunity and it was incredible. Yeah. So, and you got and to bring is, our son is, with you, you know? Yeah. I got to bring my kiddo. So whether it is, <laughs> you know, no matter where it is, Thunder Bay or Norway, it's, um, it's really exciting to, yeah. to get out there and be, and then, and to, firsthand see how other people sew see what fabrics they're choosing for a workshop Um, all that stuff is exhilarating and exciting well and it must also be you know i can't think i'm blanking on the word 
it's sort of a gratifying moment to have people who are more interested in how you do something versus just that you did something. Yeah. So, you know, teaching someone how to how to cut how to sew curves or whatever, cut curves or plan. Yeah. You know, to do something that you that you maybe came up with. You know. Yeah. To sort of show them something new, um, and and then to see them do it successfully mm-hmm. or you know yeah it's exciting it is rewarding rewarding it's rewarding and it is and it's fun man let me tell you every time i go somewhere to teach there's always so many snacks (laughs) (laughs) and baked goods and i'm like australia i came home all my pants were so tight i was like this is not good but (sighs) there's always good baked goods (laughs) introduced us to the tim tams that's the problem oh the tim tams oh boy yeah so well, okay. Let me see. What 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 would you what would we say we have not covered yet? We're doing pretty good here, though. Yeah. Although you may not listen to my podcast. Now. Other people do. If if, if this was I a true crime a podcast, I ha- Okay, I haven't know. listened to your podcast. But that's okay. But we've been together. Because I've only to you one for partner 20, can support the other. I've listened to you for twenty <laughs> years. I. And I don't even, you know how, it's like, wow. I would just unintentionally zone out if I was listening to your podcast because it would be like a regular conversation <sighs> where I kind of... I didn't know we were getting into the painful part no, of the, of the episode. Saying, you know, <laughs> Usually there's more I'm beer sure involved. I'm sure your podcast is very good. Anyways, uh, to all the listeners, <laughs> if I don't edit this part out, enjoy my pain. It's just how we live now. No, no, no. What I'd like to what I'd like to to do now is is see if maybe do you have any unsolicited advice that you'd like to give to anybody that might be entering into this world? Hmm. I will solicit the advice, so it won't be unsolicited. Oh, really? You're going to give advice? No, I'm asking you for advice. So that's a solicitation for oh. advice. So it's not unsolicited. Oh, man. Um advice be financially prepared especially if you're coming out of a a job 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 yeah a day job it's a very different pay grade um but you know everyone says but i love what i do and i do i i do love what i do i don't think i could go back to that other previous um life in advertising um but also the challenge is that i took something that i love doing for fun and like as a hobby and it's become work so also you always have to not that it's hard but it's it's work so it's different so now I have different always you know it's important to always have a creative outlet something that you do enjoy so if there's ever a point where you're not enjoying it like stop figure out what you want to you know figure out something <laughs> that you enjoy doing and do it. I still love quilting and sewing. So I have work quilts or, you know, I have to do this design. My reward sometimes is doing a different quilt just for me or yeah. coming up with a design just for me. So really it's, it's figure out what's going to allow you to unplug from yes. the job. Because yeah. one of the things that, that came up in, in conversation with Mario last episode was, um, you know, he says, I'm doing what I love. And I, you know, I'm not tired of it. And I'd, I had said, well, you know, the the comment is, do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. But I said, the truth is, do what you love, and you'll be working all the time. Yeah. So there's no 
especially if you work from home. So there is no disconnect from what you're doing. You're always doing that thing or thinking about right that now, thing. I am ironing. You're ironing right now because, because you can't take, but you're enjoying it. This, you know? Especially, well, and because this is a show quilt and it's a quilt for a show that I'm excited about yeah. doing. So this is my reward. Yeah. Whereas I know, you know, an hour from now, I'm going to have to check my email and I'll have some customer email inquiry or and a commission to work on. And that'll be my work. But this ironing right now is my fun. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's all Which part of weird, it, you but... know. And I mean, the nice thing is, is that for someone who claims to not like repetition, you do repetition very, do. very well. I know it's funny. You know? Okay. It's not that I don't like repetition because I... I just don't like to make the same thing yeah, twice. As you, I, as you, my favorite job. As I told you, iron you, you know this. My favorite job shape. was like working in the Crayola factory, where I was yeah. on a line and doing the same thing for an hour every hour. You know, over repetitively. I loved it. It was sort of you get into a zen about it. So I do like repetition when I'm making a certain quilt. It's just, I don't like to make the same thing twice. No, I, I know. Man. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a paradox, yeah. but it's, it's, it's an honest paradox, you know, like you don't really like repetition, but you will do repetitive tasks to yes. create something unique. Totally. Um, totally. I have insights. I have oh, insights. Okay. Um, I guess so. <laughs> No. Uh, do you have insights into what's for dinner tonight? Because I have not thought about it at all. No, Shockingly. I have not How many times that. do I say that every week? Do you, have you noticed that I've entirely avoided any kind of like talking me up? Oh, is this where you want me to talk you up? Where I no, say, not at all. You know, no, no. <laughs> since leaving I'm my full-time I, job, oh, you've been my number one supporter, and I just appreciate that so much. I don't so think so. Much. I you think there's the probably some psycho <laughs> somewhere you, who has pictures of you all over his the wall. Time that, every time that you, I say I haven't even thought about dinner, you just you you do it. You make the dinner. You feed the kids. I'm a I'm a breakfast. You give me breaks. Professional. I'm, I am really good at breakfast, so I can get my work done. It is true. That is the challenge. There is no separation between work and home. So it is. It can be like. Yeah, hard I, I I think that I'm as as the person who sits on the outside of of your job, knowing that you're knowing exactly what is required to do your job, I think that is it is interesting. To be the person that just says, "Well, you keep doing your job until you don't have to do it right now," or or to put it or to to provide a limitation and say, "Well, can you please stop doing this job, and and come and, and play cards or come and yeah hang out or come and you know eat something, you know?" And it it is an interesting, I mean, considering the interviewer is your your spouse, I think the funny thing about it is the knowledge of the amount of time that you actually need to carve out of your day to do your job needs to be carved out of your day with your family. Yeah. You know, and it's, we've all gotten used to it. We've gotten used to, your family has gotten used to, you close your office door and that is your time when you're working. 
Yeah. You know, but we've been freelance for a long time too. So Yeah, so we, we've we, both we, been we, on that. Yeah, sort we both of, understand that we jam. know what that's like. You know? Or it's like yesterday's Saturday. It's Saturday afternoon and you're like, Do you want to come to the movie with the kids and I? And I thought It took a minute. Oh yeah, because I'm like, it, I could just stay here and I iron. could keep I could stay here. And then here I and thought, iron. nope, I am gonna stop. And even at the movies, people are emailing me asking me if they can put in an order and you know, asking me about Yeah things about a pattern and I'm like it's Saturday night and I'm with my family and I can't answer these emails but I'm not going to say that to them but I just thought no I can't even respond like there are times when yeah. you do have to just shut off and go nope I need to just I, I think that I think it's not unreasonable to not respond in certain times no, I don't think it's it like put either. yourself to like but a it's hard not it's hard a to mental do not reply yeah thing you know but it's hard to um, switch gears and go okay no because it's right there people always have access to you yeah so well especially in in the case of Instagram Instagram's a very new thing where it used to be like for Etsy or whatever it wasn't really direct messaging that you would get an email yeah you know? some people eat just they do email me and I like that better because then I can go back yeah and, and refer to it message and yeah. respond when I'm ready Instagram to respond because Instagram kind of scrolls past yeah, once I've read that message, sometimes it's like gone, and I just think, whoops, sorry. Should have looked that person up. Yeah, so I don't know. Okay, Stuff. what do you have for a New Year's goal oh my for God. Libs Elliot? This morning I said to myself, Libs, today you need to spend some time thinking about your goals for 2020. And then I didn't, so <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, <sighs> I always have I sort of always go back to the same core goals but well and some new ones so one of them I think uh, is to I have two main goals one as a quilter and there one is to show my quilts to people who aren't really um, aware of quilts as textiles as art so I tend not to show my quilts at quilt shows. Um, mostly I try and get them into ex exhibitions elsewhere. So that's one of my goals. I've already got one show lined up on January 15th, sorry, mm -hmm. 16th um, for Design Week here in Toronto. Um, Andrea Sang Jackson and I are doing a show together for that. Um, so I like to do non-quilt exhibitions. Um, and I have to, I have to, I'd like to put two or three fabric collections out this year. So I'll be working with Andover Fabrics on that. Right. Um, and I would like to expand on my Patreon. So, you know, I've got a decent little following on Patreon right now, but I do think that doing some online workshops on there, um, which would be rewards for patrons of certain levels, um, would be exciting. And I'm planning to do a quilt along Hmm. starting in January or February for the smooth sailing quilt, so, which is a pattern. Um, so we'll be doing quilt along on Patreon. So trying to get my online presence a little more consistent, um, which will help to reduce some of my travel. Not that I want to reduce travel, but right now I think just family-wise it would be good. Um, and yeah, trying to creatively, trying to go in some new directions as well as far as the aesthetic of some of my quilts do you see yourself 
possibly trying to get any new collaborations going. Maybe. Maybe some new artist collaborations would be fun. I would really love to spend more time on my art, you know, uh, and making quilts, show quilts. Right. Um, that's Remember always when you used my to be goal. Bit... <laughs> always my intention is like, oh, I'd love to just spend some more time sewing. Right. This year, this past year, I look at 2019, I did not sew a lot. Um, so, man, I just want to sew more this year. 2020, the year of actually sewing and making. Well, and as someone who likes to-do lists as much as you, you have not made enough to-do lists concerning your business. Maybe you need to spend <laughs> know, a couple of right? minutes making make... a to-do list about your business. It's always immediate to-do lists. What needs to be done in the next week and not what needs well, to be done for a six, 2020. A three months, six months, nine months, and then 12 months. And just these are the things I want to have happen in those, well, those time frames. if you could take care of dinner tonight, I could come up with you're that making list. it sound like today is the day that has to happen <laughs> no i don't know um well listen any other questions for me i don't have any other questions for no? you no um do you have anything you'd like to just sort of add in terms of anyone that might be listening that is a fan or new or hmm. if you're not a quilter i suggest looking into it looking at what some of these amazing makers are doing. Um, we make some pretty cool stuff. It's a pretty incredible global community. Um, there's always room for growth. Um, I don't know, for people who are quilters, um, keep sewing. Keep sewing. Keep at it. Keep that thread threaded. Keep those needles threaded. Yeah, keep going. Uh, oh, I got one. Um, is there anybody you're, that you got your eye on that you're like, wow, I'm really liking what they're doing these days? Like, is there anybody that's sort of coming up that, that could use some eyeballs on their work? Oh, my God. It's, uh, I'd have to look at my Instagram. There are. There are lots of people. Well, we can put them in the show notes. Yeah, let's put their them in names the notes. May not, their names may not come to mind immediately, but... Well, it's not their... Yeah, it's like I know their Instagram handles, but not the, all their proper names. Sure. So, okay, the, we'll do that. So we'll do that, and we'll add them to the notes. Well, you know, I just want to thank you for having me on your show. I know you've been... Oh, my God. You're recording so... for like two years or something now, and I might actually listen to your podcast. Like You'll I might... probably listen to just this episode, because you're... Know. I you need know. to listen to Jillian's episode. Listen I'll to Pip Robbins. Yeah, for sure. Jillian, my friend, and I haven't even listened to that one, but I will. You know, there's a lot of ironing to be done here, so what else am I going to do? Libs is listen? a true crime podcast listener. She, I, As long as no one's been murdered on my podcast, she's not as interested. Yeah, I'm like, ah. And also, my voice makes her fall asleep. <laughs> so. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Oh, wow. Well. Well, thank you. Thank, for you. Me. thank you for being on. I appreciate it so much. You have been a very gracious guest. Well, thank you for being such a nice host. And I love you a bunch. I love you too. <laughs> this episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Intro voice is Jeff Wright. Opening and closing track is Watch Him They Said from the 2018 album Hypocritic Oath by Not Of. All inquiries can be directed to admin at cancellthispodcast.com.